Hey everybody, I'm Micah Rich. And I'm Olivia Kane. And welcome to the Weekly Typographic. A podcast where we discuss our favorite type and design news from the week. Hi, Olivia! Hey, Micah! I feel like your hey responses are getting less and less entertained by my enthusiasm at saying hello to you. Not at all. I'm always happy to be here. It's just so funny because... <laughs> that was way too long of a pause. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I feel like everyone's like, wow, look at these two pretending like they just got on a call together when we were chatting for 10 minutes before we start these podcasts. It is, it is Nobody innately knows. funny. Nobody's gonna know. Nobody's gonna know. Nobody's gonna know. Oh gosh. Okay. We um, have had an exciting week over in League Land. Lots going on. We have our new workshop coming up, which we have been talking about on the Twitters and on the Instagrams. Mm -hmm. We actually had our good pal Daniel Nisbet donate a ticket to somebody, which by the time this publishes, we will have found a ticket to give to somebody as like a nice sponsored ticket, which I think is such a nice freaking idea. Yeah. Absolutely. If anyone else wants to jump on that bandwagon for a future uh, workshop, certainly always an opportunity to get uh, someone new to maybe the type design world into a class of ours. The backstory is a little funny in that Daniel bought a ticket to be very supportive of Caleb because he loves Caleb's work. And so he bought a ticket and then realized that it was the day that he was moving. And so he wouldn't actually be able to attend And that is why he decided to sponsor the ticket and give it to somebody who was in need of the ticket but couldn't afford it. And I felt like we both saw that and thought, shoot, this is such a good idea. We should try to do this more often. Yeah, super cool. And we're going to get into a little bit more about our spacing and rhythm workshop. But I did want to preview the Nerd Alert. It's going to be about letter spacing and the importance of it. And we're a little bit more familiar with letter spacing as designers and using it for typesetting and the way we see and consume letter spacing and typography. But we're also going to talk about a little bit about what goes into the letter spacing of a font because every font is a piece of software and there is data in that software saying how far apart the letter should be when you just start typing things. And that's certainly something that most of us take for granted, but is a very laborious process. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about both ends of the spectrum, better ways to be using your letter spacing as a designer, and what considerations take place when a type designer is figuring out the letter spacing for their font. It's going to be very fun. Let's. I like in. when we do these like super educational nerd alerts. Yeah, lots of fun ones. I mean, we have fun ones lined up too. I'm ready for us to get started though, with our spacing and rhythm. Workshop, it's happening tomorrow, guys. There's still time to get in there and get your seat. It's going to be really fun. And like I said, there's so much uh, work that goes into the spacing of a font that this whole workshop is dedicated to that uh, step in the progress of type design and getting to know it a little bit better, becoming more familiar with letter spacing in general and how it impacts the rhythm of your typography. And Caleb's just awesome and is super passionate about type design and this step in it. And I think that's going to be a really great perspective that a lot of people are going to have. Indeed. Cool. Are we ready to go to our next article? Our second link this week is from Olivia King. And it is called Creating a Handwritten Font for Culture Amp. Also, it's Olivia King, not Olivia Kane. 
I know. Lots of people are going to be confused mm. out there. We just have similar names, but only because an OK is a great initial to have. Continuing, her team was commissioned uh, by Culture Amp, which is like kind of an HR support organization. I feel like I've had Culture Amp surveys about, you know, how I like my workplace before at certain jobs. And Culture Amp wanted a handwritten typeface. Uh, Olivia talks about the uncomfortable feeling she got when they were given that prompt because she immediately thought of Comic Sans or Chalkboard or Student Project on Defont. So that is that is fair place to start because handwritten typefaces have uh, probably the lowest brow reputation in the world of typography, but that doesn't mean you can't create a killer handwritten typeface, and that is what they did. They partnered with a type designer, Mathieu Reguet. Reguet? Hope I'm pronouncing that right. And <laughs> from there, they started with the exploration phase of a handwritten typeface, which like not many people hear about because not many people talk about the process of handwritten typefaces, but I think it's really fascinating. They experimented with different types of pens and pencils, how hard they push down on the paper. Are they going to do all caps or lowercase, what sort of letter height, what kind of paper do you write on? And from there, they show all these great process images of handwriting on pages with different slants, different X heights, different baselines until they ended up somewhere natural. And they also added this texture to it that really makes it feel like someone wrote it on a page and you can almost see the pulp of the paper poking through on the edges of the letter forms. It's a really great case study. It's very inspiring as someone that has been considering making a handwritten font for several months now. I love to see it. <laughs> and the way it's being used is also exciting. I love the in-use designed elements at the very bottom. Yeah, okay. If anybody out there doesn't know what a fan I am of combining handwritten typefaces with other types of typefaces, let it be known that is my favorite trick in the entire world in terms of graphic design. And when you go to Culture Amp and see it actually in use... It is just done so perfectly. It's so clean, but looks so real. And the sizing is such a fantastic comparison with the other fonts that they're using. The like weight is perfect in that context. It's just such, it, it looks so good because it looks so intentional. And I think that comes down to a lot of the details that you mentioned, and they definitely talk about plenty and show in this article like the details like that paper coming through but in the subtlest way where at the size that they're most often using it it's almost imperceivable mm -hmm. but there's something polished to it so you'd like it's not that you get this very obvious sense of the paper coming through it's just that it feels like it was actually written it's so well done man yeah, it, it, it's probably one of the best handwritten fonts that I've seen. And looking even, just thinking about the level of finesse but imperfection that was needed to create this is very impressive and also very inspiring. And I hope like inspires other companies to commission handwritten typefaces because we often think about custom typography for brands being this sans serif, either Futura lookalike or Helvetica lookalike these days. And to get something that's so far out there is like really exciting and really satisfying to see. And I think will be really inspirational for people that may have thought one thing about handwritten fonts and may think another thing after they see this. Yeah. And I, I gotta say too, that like seeing the details of the 
process of the different things that they tried, like very specific, like here's one at 15 degree angle, here's one at 55 degree angle, here's one that's slightly heavier than the one before it, where so many of the letters look the same, but just with the right described detail. You're, wow, how does someone write that consistently as an actual human? It's crazy. Incredible. I love it. I love it. Definitely one of my favorite. Our next link, very fun deep dive into some typographic details, is Fonts for Complex Data by Heffler & Co., specifically Jonathan Heffler. This is a deep dive into more of the niche of using typography for typesetting data, which I don't do very often, but some people do. If you're working on big annual reports or uh, infographics, this gets really important. And so he talks about the importance of having the correct numerals, what tabular figures are and proportional figures are and when to use what. He talks about when using small type size. Like I love this example because I actually do packaging design. When we think about ingredient lists, they're usually like this really tiny, often very condensed a list of ingredients that we often cannot pronounce ourselves. And he talks about how for stuff like this, which is at very small sizes, but you still want it to be somewhat readable. Most designers first impulse is to do like a condensed sans serif to fit all that information in there. But he shows this really great case study of instead of using a condensed sans serif, using a wider sans serif. And he says that wider letters actually have a more comfortable proportions. And so since they're generously spaced, which is interesting, they are more legible at smaller sizes. And so that was like my favorite takeaway from this article showing how to think about typography not necessarily used in the most optimal legible ways. That was a really interesting example. And I think that might be presuming that the company and the designer want you to read those ingredients which is probably not true mm -hmm, that's another but good question the legibility is obviously improved and that's certainly something i encounter all the time doing packaging i've never thought about uh that i was like no way is he gonna fit the same amount of ingredients with this wide sans serif the same as this really condensed one but lo and behold it is indeed there another interesting uh little tidbit he included in here is that heffler has maybe a collection of typefaces called office fonts and they're adaptations of some of Heffler & Co's like most workhorsey typefaces. They were specifically engineered for use in business programs like Word, Excel, and PowerPoint, which you would think, oh my God, designers aren't, don't have to be there. There'd be something optimized for that. But we think about like much larger companies where uh, maybe they don't have dedicated designers to do internal documents, they still want them to look nice. These are reimagined fonts. They're limited to only four familiar styles per family. So it's Roman italic, bold, and bold italic. And they only have tabular figures to make sure that no one kind of mistakes the tabular for the ones that are not tabular. I'm forgetting the name. What are those called, Micah? Proportional? Yeah, all right, they are. Very nice. Another fun fact they add into this office font little anecdote is that the office fonts always ship in true type format for maximum backward compatibility with even the most antiquated operating systems. I thought that was funny. That is yeah, funny. I never noticed that these existed either. And one of the one of the things that I think Hoffler is really good at, as much as I hate complimenting them, is they make a point in this office collection about enhanced clarity 
And they're mm. really good at like the tiny details that make a font super clear at tiny sizes. Yeah, yeah, that's true. They've been around for a while. They're not rookies at any of this. It makes sense that they're thinking in this sort of deeper typographic way with their typefaces. Cool. Our next article we've got going on is what is molecular typography and why is it experiencing a resurgence? Micah, do you know what molecular typography is? You know what, Olivia? I do not. It sounds great. The image looks cool. It's nuts. It's nuts. This is my first example of it. And it's very confusing, to be honest. But I will take away this highlighted quote. (laughs) The core concept of molecular typography is that type, when in the form of ink on paper, like all matter, is made up of molecules. So that's also very confusing. It's basically the idea that when we think about type design... All of our letter forms are actually using and reusing components of other letter forms. And that seems like a little bit more of a familiar process. Except this book, Molecular Typography, makes it like super confusing. And like they have compounds. (laughs) So, for example, the letter B is a character. But like the chemical formula for that is IC2 because uh, it's using two components from the letter C and one component from the letter I. It's mad. I think it's just so <laughs> mad confusing. I, I don't even know, but it's fascinating. I guess people were really into it in like the mid-1950s. People were all about understanding molecular typography, being like, oh, science and design combined into this amazing thing. I think it's hilarious. I think you guys should all look at the images here because I did not understand it until I just looked at some images. They call each letter a molecule and molecules are made of typetums as in atoms, but typetums. <laughs> and they call things like a C-tum and a V-tum and an E-tum. And like some of the shapes have positive and negative poles depending on like where they connect to other parts of the letter forms. It's absurd, but it's entertaining. The hard part is it's true. Like all of the things that they're describing here are useful ways to think about how to take pieces and reuse them. And we, you know, the last few workshops have been teaching about like how to componentize your letters to be able to go from one letter to 10 letters real quick. And so all that's true. It's just what a very complicated way to write it. Oh my gosh. And especially these days when we have so many great resources for type design, this just seems like, oh, let's just make everything super complicated in a way to try to make people understand it better. But these days, I don't know. The fact that an O is like C2 and and there's that diagram of the positive connecting to the negative with the negative connecting to the positive somewhere else. And it's just, that's too much. Yeah. Yeah. But definitely entertaining so go check it out if this sounds interesting to you and you want to know about letters as living organisms our final piece that we have here micah you actually introduced us to this piece and it is dishoom kx go down tell us what you love about it that title doesn't quite represent what the heck it's about it's basically there's this really amazing indian restaurant in the uk i think it's only in the uk not entirely sure about that but i do know that there's a couple in england and there's one in scotland and i went when i was traveling around europe i found them and went to them and fell in love partially because the food was delicious but partially because the branding was so 
beautiful. Each location had its own theme, and it's all this kind of like historic colonial Bombay 1930s Indiana Jones feeling kind of stuff. And I just remember, like, I went for the food, but I was enamored with the menu and the decorations around the place. And I was feeling nostalgic the other day, and I was like, man, I wonder who made that? And then I Googled it, and we found out through this article. But it's interesting because, yeah, they give you some, like, details of the visuals, but they also talk about how... When they were working on the branding, they came up with a system for the branding that is very flexible. This company is like the the owners of the brand. Like anytime they want to come out with a new thing, like during the pandemic, when they wanted to start doing more delivery, this company was involved in like branding the delivery because it was essentially like a new product that they were putting out. And so it was some combination of the old patterns and typography that they were using for each of the locations plus just new stuff because it was a new thing and so it was just an interesting kind of background on like how this company thought through the branding where some of the visual elements came from and how they kept it flexible Absolutely. I love a good eclectic typographic uh, system, and that's certainly what they did here. It feels like you're hearkening back to a certain period of time. I love that there's a backstory from one of the restaurants they talk about here. They say East Deschum is inspired by its location, an old railway transit shed, and the <laughs> restaurant actually has a story where you can imagine a young Irani in 1928 who sees the opportunity to start selling chai to railway workers and slowly builds a ramshackle Irani restaurant. <laughs> and now it's decades later, it's established, it's an institution. And the name Godown is actually an Indian word for warehouse. I love that story. I love that they actually worked with Palapi Gajar Bordawakar, who is an expert in Indian typefaces to make sure it feels authentic. That's like really important that they actually have someone who understands the culture and can really bring that through and I'm sure makes it feel that much more exciting and different and rooted in a culture and a place yeah and they actually make a point to use like Indian scripts in different places too even if you just go to their website you'll see at the top left it says in English in a beautiful font uh, all welcome which it also says that in like a native script which is just cool very cool good find yeah, just fun. Good inspiration. Cool. Next up, we've got our nerd alert, everybody. We're going to be talking <laughs> about letter spacing. <laughs> okay, I'll get us started. Uh, letter spacing. The unsung hero of type design, in my opinion. I think there's two avenues that we're going to explore today in the thinking of letter spacing. Most designers are familiar with the impact of letter spacing. And when I say letter spacing, I'm mostly talking about tracking, maybe a little bit of kerning in there too, but in general, the space between letters. And most designers are familiar with it when we're talking about typesetting and designing, but there's also less talked about level of letter spacing, and that's the part where it talks about letter spacing a typeface and actually what spacing is in between letters in the software of a font. And that's a whole thing that we take for granted. So we're gonna touch on both these things and why it's so important, why I'm really passionate 
people understand letter spacing because I think it impacts so much of a type a piece of typographic work. The spacing between letters is often not noticed or thought about until you're really thinking about it or until you're a much more seasoned designer and you start appreciating and noticing how that can really make or break some things. Let's talk about letter spacing as designers and how we consume letter spacing. There's kind of two schools of thought with letter spacing when you're designing. There's more of a functional, thinking about your functional letter spacing and thinking about expressive letter spacing. And yes, letter spacing can be expressive. I do like to also mention that because it's not really thought about as something that can be as expressive as your letter forms. So let's talk about functional letter spacing. We can think about the phrase form follows function. And that may make us think about letter forms, but in this instance, we're thinking about our positive and negative following the function of uh, text. Without letter spacing, we wouldn't be able to read things. It really in does impact readability. And so fonts are often designed, especially fonts for text, to have the most polished and refined letter spacing to make sure that when you start just typing things in whatever program, Word document or InDesign, things generally look good without having to adjust stuff. And that's at a very base level. And so other aspects of functional letter spacing is thinking about uh, scale. So when things are pushed to a very large scale or very small scale, it's best not to use the default letter spacing in a font. Small text, you know, we're talking about text that might be below nine points, is easier to read with more spacing built in. So that's something that a designer might wanna make some positive letter spacing and extra small text. And then we can also think about the opposite side of things with large highway signage. We may also want to letter space things like that. Looking at a sign from 25 feet away, none of the letters feel like they're colliding into each other. They feel like they have enough room. It's easy to read something out. Letter spacing also has to do very much with scripts. Uh, script type comes from calligraphy and we should never be letter spacing lowercase uh, letters in script. Frederick Gowdy famously said anyone who would letter space lowercase would steal sheep and then some people say it he really said shag sheep but that's the pg version and so oh. he yeah he was talking about black letter fonts at the time but if you think about any sort of cursive like you should not be letter spacing out cursive it's not going to look like it was meant to look and that's just a basic rule and then we can think of other functional letter spacing when we think about large bodies of text letter spacing will affect the overall color of a page so whether that be a web page or a physical page, your color is your consistent balance of positive and negative space throughout a body of text. And so good even letter spacing results in nice even typographic color. And then we can think about maybe your school newspaper in high school maybe had fully justified unhyphenated text <laughs> that they would letter space in columns and they would drive your eye crazy. I'm just, I'm speaking anecdotally, but I know I'm not the only high school that had students that didn't know how to typeset a newspaper. And so the letter spacing really gets compromised and causes things like rivers, which are just like big swaths of negative space uh, within your justification of paragraphs leads to letter spacing being compromised. But then there's also the idea that if you're a really great letter spacer, you can make tiny fine-tuned adjustments to get rid of orphans and widows. And that's a little secret from the publishing industry, everybody. I used to do that a lot, just adjust the letter spacing, just a few negative metrics down, and then all of a sudden you can 
get your orphan up into the rest of your paragraph. Very fun. Very satisfying. And then we think about uh, the, the expressive avenue of letter spacing. And this is something that a more pro designer or polished designer might be thinking about a lot more than student designers. So that's the idea that when we have type that is meant to be seen at large sizes, we want it to be tracked in a little bit tighter. We want some tighter letter spacing and we want some fine tuned kerning. And if you're trying to imagine what this looks like, you can think about uh, things like Crate and Barrel, Target, American Apparel. These are all brands that have uh, Helvetica as their, as their logo. And if you just type uh, crate and Barrel in Helvetica on your computer, it's not going to look the same as the logo. And same with Target and same with American Apparel. This is because of some really fine-tuned kerning and letter spacing. And that really does make the difference and makes something from feeling just typed out in Microsoft Word to iconic, truly. And I think that's actually really powerful and rarely gets enough credit. And I think that's a way you can really tell work from student work to po polished designer work. There's things like that are actually being considered. And then there's a whole idea of loose tracking on all cap letters can often signify luxury because the, the letter forms are spreading out and taking up space because they can afford to. Or you can sometimes be associated with an epic movie, all the letters, all caps, tracked out. And then there's also the idea of type but not touching letter spacing, which is reminiscent of the 60s and 70s. So with the advent of photo type setting, type was no longer constrained to metal or wood type. They had these customizable spacing opportunities that actually encourage extremely tight settings and sometimes you'll see type from way back when, and it'll be like, oh my God, maybe one millimeter of a space between letter forms. That was often called like sexy spacing <laughs> at the time too. And so these days, if someone's trying to like revive that nostalgia, they might do that like type but not touching letter spacing. And then if you're thinking about way back when, during the metal type era, there's actually limitations on how tight you can make your spacing. So if you're trying to mimic the look of early printing, you might actually do a little bit looser of spacing with your typography, which I learned today. I thought that was interesting. I learned that from Karen Chang's book. And I think in general, letter spacing consistency is really essential across a system. Like I think about brand identity systems, I would definitely want to include the tracking of my typography in a brand guidelines because that does affect consistency from you know digital to print to TV. And I think that really can help solidify a brand's identity. So that's the designer side. Some of you guys probably already knew that because we're all smart, nerdy type people here. And I, <laughs> so, but I do want to touch on font letter spacing. And most type designers will actually tell you that the letter spacing of a typeface is just as important, if not more important, than the letter forms themselves. Also from Karen Chang's book, Designing Type, uh, she says, beautiful characters can be made ugly and illegible when improperly spaced. Yes, Karen, I agree. Uh, if anyone wants uh, a type designer's word for how important they think the spacing is, James Edmondson, who he recently interviewed, uh, his foundry is titled Oh No, capital O, capital H, lowercase n, lowercase O. And that's because those are the letters designers often start with when working on spacing. My mind was blown when I find, found that out. But it, it does prove like how much he actually does value that. And I think most type designers really do. Letter spacing a font is not a matter of hours or days. It's usually a matter of weeks or months, an intense typeface. So if that gives you some perspective of just how much it goes hand in hand with the design of the letter forms, it's really a significant amount of, of consideration and time 
that's being put into that which is also another plug as to why our workshop tomorrow is like so important for those that are maybe considering it because we're only talking about spacing because it it deserves a whole weekend workshop. So even when you're designing a typeface, you're designing a font, people often just think about designing the letter forms. And yes, when you're designing a font, you are designing the outlines of type and Bezier curves, but you're also defining so many important things. When you even design one character, let's say a lowercase a, you design the outline of the typeface, but you also uh, can put in how much space you want to go on the left and the right of the letter form when just a lowercase a is typed in a program. And so this is an actual metric and number, which I think that I didn't really learn about until I started designing a font myself. The space to the left and right of your character is called your side bearing. It is the distance between your character and the end of a metal block. If we're thinking about our old type days when we had old typesetting, that's how side bearings got its name from like a physical piece of type uh, that existed on its own and had its own bounding box. And so the amount of space on that can differ from letter form to letter form. It's not gonna be the same for everyone. We're gonna have less uh, space or a smaller side bearing on round letter forms, but maybe more space on like very vertical letter forms. And then, you know, the negative space in a letter form design is designed with the letter forms in mind. So the letter spacing actually matches your counters, the negative space within your letter forms. So fun fact, capitals actually need a little bit looser uh, letter spacing than lowercase since the uppercase and capital counters are larger. And that can make you think about all the ways that impacts different widths of letter forms, different weights of letter forms. And then sometimes letter forms will even be redesigned if they are problematic to the letter spacing. So they really do go hand in hand. And then often like the very end like step of type design is the kerning, which we also do in typesetting for designers. But this is really kerning that's built in to make sure that type designers have to do less kerning when they get the font. And that's usually one of the final steps because the kerning was really dependent on the letter form design and how much space those get. So that is my summary of why I think letter spacing is super important and essential and everyone should know it. That was extremely detailed and fantastic. I think a lot of people confuse the terms of spacing and kerning. And that was a really good explanation of basically the fact that you do the spacing overall and build that into the font. And then even as the type designer, you go back and say, okay, just these two particular characters just need a tiny little bit of adjustment. And that's what the kerning is. And I think a lot of people could probably benefit from understanding in practical view, like seeing the difference in what goes into both of those processes. Yeah, definitely. And to piggyback up your point, right now at work, I'm working with a foundry and we're designing a custom typeface. There's all the details I can give. But in our earlier iterations, <laughs> there weren't any kerning pairs. And it was mostly letter space. Letter spacing was fine, but it looked absurd. There was like a uppercase T and a lowercase Y next to each other and there was a big huge gap and I think we went back to them saying oh hey just make sure that these kerning pairs get addressed I kind of understand the process that those happen at the end and the founder came back to us super gracious but they were like yeah we don't actually do that till the very end because if you're not happy with how the letter forms and you're not happy with the letter spacing that's ultimately going to determine your metrics for your kerning pairs as a type designer fun anecdote so great so informative Thanks. 
Thanks, Micah. I know you have also just a huge wealth of knowledge inside your head from the League and all the type work you've done as well. I am sure that's true, but suddenly on the spot, I can't think of any particular okay. anecdote that would be helpful in this scenario. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just wanted to make sure I didn't miss anything because you were just as knowledgeable, and I love hearing your perspective on things. I think you did a fantastic job of explaining the importance and the details on both the typesetting and the type making. Excellent. And if this interests you all, do not miss out on our workshop tomorrow. I'm serious. I think that it's so important that spacing gets its own time and place and considerations because it might not be the most glamorous, but it really can help make or break what you would consider a good font or a not so good font. So take that as you will. Is it a threat? No. But is it a suggestion? Yes. (laughs) Is it a threat? It might be worth mentioning, too. I think it's sometimes tough for people to join a live workshop like that. And we're very conscious of that, especially because a lot of us are at weird different time zones compared to all the other time zones compared to when we're hosting it. And we make a point to put it on the site, but might as well talk about it now that if you join the workshop, even if you can't attend live, you get the recording, which I think is going to be useful to go back and look at either way, whether you're there or not. So keep that in mind, too. Totes my goats. All right, Micah. Fun as always. I love chatting about all the type every week. Also not to just be like too much of like marketing here at the end. Our lovely contributor, Steph, found some very cool font finds this week in the newsletter for the members. And like, I don't know, uh, they were awesome. They were cool. If you want to support us, small amount every month, become a member. You get cool perks like that. Just had to give a little shout out to Steph and these cool fonts. Yeah, she keeps finding stuff that I have not been hunting and looking for. And I swear the last like six weeks in a row, I've been like, oh, shoot, maybe I could use that on this project that I haven't known what font to pick for. She keeps surprising me. All right. Okay, Micah. I'm going to sign us off. Do-do-do-do. Do-do-do-do. Oh, my gosh.